joined by Dr. Nyman Peters. And we're going to be talking about her new book, Working with Influence, Nine Principles of Persuasion to Accelerate Your Career, published by Bloomsbury Business. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us here today. You are very welcome. Before we get into the book, just a little bit of brief background on you. So uh, I understand that you're a professor of leadership at Halt International Business School. Uh, you've been in academia for quite some time and that you're an expert on the use of behavioral science to develop measurable leadership capability, how we can use behavioral science to become better leaders. And outside of work, uh, I hear that you have actually completed Ironman and half Ironman races and that you were elected the sixth female member of the British Antarctic Club <laughs> following three expeditions spent in a field camp on the Antarctic Peninsula. Goodness me, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us here today to talk about the book. You, as I say, you're very welcome and uh, I'm delighted to talk to you, Nicola. Before we get into the questions, one of the key things, as I understand it, is that influence, like all complex skills, can be learned and that performance improves the more that we practice. And in summary, that working with influence can provide people who want to do better and go as far as they can at work, ambitious professionals, with insights and uh, advice and tips to help increase their personal influence in real and, and as is the way these days, virtual workplace environments. Is that a fair summary for our listeners here today who are managers and leaders of what you had hoped to achieve with the book? I think that's an excellent summary. So my approach is always about how can we use the application of science to help people perform better with that approach than they did without it. So from my perspective, this uh, I, I, the book is intended to be applicable to a wide audience, whether you're an established leader or an aspiring leader. The, the, the question is always, how much better could you be doing? So yes, the application, whether you are you know starting out in your career and you're really looking to accelerate things, whether you're in the middle of your career, you're trying to uh, take on more leadership and get more involved in business decision-making or influencing the outcome of, the, uh, of business decisions, or whether you're at a, a high senior leadership level, um, if you're in a situation like if you're a senior leader, a lot of your influence comes from you know, your formal authority. So my question to those people would be, well, how much more could you be doing if you better understood these nine principles from psychology? So yeah, that's a great summary of the book that you gave. Thank you. Tell us, what gave you the inspiration for the book? Where, where did it come from? So, I, as you know, I teach in a business school, postgraduate courses, an MBA, executive MBA. Uh, and 
Topics that often come up in business school curriculum include topics such as influence and persuasion. Now, the predominant text that business schools around the world have been using for this topic is one written by a gentleman called uh, Robert Cialdini. And while the work is very good, and it was certainly groundbreaking at the time, it was published more than 40 years ago. So this came out in the 1980s. So I've always felt that it was important that at, at some point we, you know, we revise those principles for uh, the 21st century. A couple of key reasons that it's super important to revise just at this at this time is that um, we have research from so many more geographies than we had back in the 20th century. We have studies from Europe, Africa, Asia. Um, on top of that, we have studies from disciplines that didn't really exist. So there are many studies from neuroscience, for exactly for example, that we can um, we can draw on in revising the principles of uh, persuasion. I think the second key reason that I needed a new approach, particularly for my classes and for my work with clients, um, was that we need an approach that is specifically tailored to the workplace. So a lot of Cialdini's research, it was done in a sales context, like telemarketing, used car yards, Tupperware parties, etc. And that's not an approach that you could sort of afford to take in the workplace because influence in the workplace is not about a one-time sale. So what I was looking for in my review of the scientific literature was principles that are of influence and persuasion that can be specifically applied in the workplace and specifically for the purpose of increasing a person's social capital rather than borrowing from it, building long-term relationships, being able to better collaborate and communicate with the people around you so that as you are building your influence, you're also building your relationships, your connections uh, and your reputation. Well, indeed, relationships are absolutely critical and more so now that we've gone through a period where people have been out of the office or who are hybrid working there some of the time, not there some of the time. Is this one of the reasons why the topic is so important right now at this moment in time? Certainly. Um, so the world of work, as, as you've discussed, has changed enormously in the last two or three years. And what happens when our environment changes enormously is that we come back to question everything. And it's stressful. It's stressful when you can no longer rely on the world being the way that it, it used to be. But what hasn't changed is the way in which the human brain is influenced by a variety of social and contextual variables. So the key to being able to master influence in the new world of work is to understand, as I said, the basic principles of what kind of factors affect how people think, how they look at the world, where their attention goes, how they make decisions. And then being able to apply those principles to your new world of work. So this is actually um, a really beneficial time to be looking at this topic because the principles that affect the human psychology of decision making can be accessed by workers and leaders and managers, whether they are working for in face-to-face -face or online environments. It's just that the way you would take action against those principles will differ whether you're speaking to somebody face-to-face -face in a presentation or you're communicating perhaps asynchronously or in other online um, media. There have, of course, been many 
books uh, about influence over the years. And um, whilst I understand that this pertains very specifically to the world of work for someone thinking about taking the time to read the book why in particular is this different to what has come before so you're absolutely right Nicola there are many excellent books available on uh, the topic of influence and persuasion what we've seen in more recent years is uh niche approaches, talking about, for example, how we are influenced by social media or how you can apply influencing techniques in the world of uh, digital marketing. Now, my purpose in creating this book was to produce simple underlying principles that can help most people most of the time in most jobs, irrespective of whether you're, you know, not in terms of an application to a specific role like data analyst or, or marketing manager or social media manager, but actually the kinds of decisions that people are making on a day-to-day basis in their businesses decisions about hiring people or promoting people or um, how to instruct people, how to get their attention, how to influence decision makers to provide you with the resources that you need. These are the things that affect people at all levels in their career um, in many, many jobs. And so that was my, my key with this particular book. It's also to look at those things that are true for most of us most of the time irrespective of the country that we're living in. Um, because while I understand there's a, there is a lot of interest in differences between cultures, the way in which I approach topics is what is the same about us as a species. And although you are programmed to see differences, there are many, many, many similarities. So that's the approach of this book. What is true for most people most of the time in most jobs, in most day-to-day decisions. Thank you for that. And this, of course, brings us into the whole area of behavioral science. And it might be useful if for a moment or two you can unpack uh, what is relevant in terms of a basic takeaway of behavioral science and how people can increase their their influence um, with those around them and outcomes in the workplace by better understanding this science to do so. So behavioral science is really cool. Um, I use the term behavioral science to apply to a whole variety of different disciplines. My personal qualifications are in psychology, but behavioral science includes sociology, um, behavioral economics, neuroscience. And what all of these disciplines have in common is they help us understand things that drive human behavior at a subconscious and unconscious level. So things that while you may have an opinion about what is happening, science can show us um, factors that are influencing people's behavior, whether or not they believe it to be true. And a key area where um, this is important is in the science of influence. So uh, what behavioral science uh, shows us in the area of influence and persuasion is that um, often the things that we think influence us aren't really very influential on our behavior. For example, when consumers are asked to rank messages in terms of how much influencing power each one has, 
they tend to choose the messages that have the least actual impact on people's behavior once the message goes public. And that's because we're really not very good at knowing how to influence people. We put too much emphasis when we're trying to influence, we put too much emphasis on logical explanations and logical reasoning uh, when the human brain is actually far more driven by emotion. That's just one small example. And so what we think is influential tends to be the logical explanation. But what turns out to be influential is the emotional pull, right? The second thing that's really cool about behavioral science is that it not only helps us understand what actually works, but it helps us apply that to our day-to-day -day life. And so for this book, uh, I think the book draws on around about 250 peer-reviewed studies from across the world. I probably read about 400 in order to, to, to draw on those 250. But what you get from that is the benefit of thousands and thousands of uh, uh, observations about what actually drives behavior. And that can add to your overall toolkit to help you improve your pro approach relative to what it has been. Amanda, you read hundreds of papers. You delved really deep. And from that gleaned thousands of observations uh, that you were then able to synthesize and distill into the book. To do so, you use nine principles which are structured into these three sets of, of three, those that are people-related, those that are perception-related, and those that are behavior-related. Why did you take this approach to separate these? How, how is it helpful to the reader to really understand and and feel and engage with the material and how they can uh, get better in, in terms of how they are able to influence. So your understanding of science um, can really help you most when you're able to apply it. And being able to apply it involves being able to remember it in important moments, right? And so rather than just giving people a list, it's important to give them a model. And the model is structured. First of all, I, I've used nine principles because according to Miller's law, um, our memory works best when we're given uh, seven plus or minus two chunks of meaningful information. So that makes nine. Nine principles, which I've then structured into three units to make a model which is easier to remember. So yes, three principles that are related to who are you working with? Who are the people? What are their uh, positions? And uh, what is their peer group? Three principles that are perception related and that's those are all structured around how you communicate, what you're asking people to do. And then three principles that are around your own behavior, how you execute your influencing attempt. Now, I wanna be clear, you don't need to apply all nine principles at once. That would be incredibly um, a skillful thing to do. The book is designed in a way that by even taking one of these principles and learning to apply it, it will help you be more successful in influencing people and outcomes than you would be without the application of that principle. So in fact, the book is written in a way I don't even expect that everybody needs to read the whole book. You can simply delve into one chapter as you need it and perhaps work on the thing that interests you most. 
Ah, oh, that's interesting. Yes, delve into a chapter that resonates or where you know you've already got an existing weakness. I mean, more generally, um, this is a book oriented towards managers and senior managers. In your experience, are there any areas where you would expect to see that people would benefit from greater uh, awareness and some learning or is it very particular to each individual in terms of where you are on the influence scale if you like? Well because these principles are derived from behavioral science uh, that means that they are measured as factors that typically occur in our subconscious or unconscious behavior. In turn what that means is that it's highly unlikely that you're an acting these principles in any real concrete way. So each one of these principles is designed to help you improve your approach um, uh, in, in comparison with what you're doing today. And as I say, no matter uh, how what level you're at in an organization, I would be very surprised to find anybody who is acting um, strongly on on all of these nine principles because they're things that don't intuitively occur to us. They're, they're not um, something that you've necessarily experienced or been able to observe because these are factors in our subconscious. So um, my key recommendation is, as I say, wherever your skills are, wherever your interests are, look through the nine principles, choose the one that you feel resonates best with you. It's not necessarily the one you're weakest in, um, Often I encourage people to work on improving the areas they're good at because if you're already good at an area, being able to tweak it by another 10, 20, 25% can be a real payout for you. But what matters most is that you find uh, a principle that you feel you can act on because each one of these principles is going to improve your approach relative to what it has been without the principles. Amanda, thank you so much for spending some time with us here today. Before we complete, I've got a final question for you, if I may. I'm particularly fascinated by the fact that you spent this year in Antarctica observing penguin behavior. And you mentioned briefly that this relates absolutely to the work that you're doing now and, and the book. Can you explain a little bit more about how things quite so different come together as one? Yeah, well, yes, actually, I, um, the two are very related. Um, and I feel quite fortunate that I started my career in behavioral science working with animals because um, you can't ask them what they think. And ultimately, what I'm doing is I'm, um, I'm dealing in areas where people have very strong opinions and experience. And I'm certainly not saying that, that people need to get rid of those or put those aside. Simply what I'm doing is I'm adding to the experience of perspective and understanding what science shows us is true. So let's take my doctoral research as an example. I was measuring the extent to which um, breeding Antarctic penguins are disturbed by tourists visiting them. Um, and so you could ask tourists what they think. Uh, do they think that they're disturbing uh, penguins? How are they behaving, etc.? But what I did instead is I measured the response to the penguins and I measured 
um, how are penguins affected when tourists come to watch them? And the answer is, um, they're nowhere near as affected by tourists as they are by other penguins, right? If, if you've ever seen a nature documentary, you'll know that nesting penguins have to defend their nest from other penguins still trying to steal their rocks. And when you measure what's actually going on, you'll find that, that the most stressful thing in a penguin's life is not the tourists at all, it's other penguins. But that's not the story you would get if you, if you uh, interview the tourists. And so I'm sort of doing the same thing in the world of business where I'm measuring what are the factors that are going on in a situation rather than um, uh, just looking at what people think is happening. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, no, thank you. It does. And um, I appreciate your time today because it's uh, much easier, I think, for, for people when time is um, so scarce to be able to know that you can get a book, you can flick through, you can find the bits that resonate with you and you can still get some bite-sized takeaway learning one way or the other. Um, it seems to me that this is a, a really helpful book. So thank you so much for sharing with us um, about working with influence, the, the nine principles of persuasion to accelerate your career. And um, I think we will, we will leave it there. Great. Oh, it was really fun, actually. And uh, every time I do one of these, I learn more about how to do them. And I learned that sometimes I need to learn to shut up. <laughs>